Hello and welcome to the Compassionate Leadership Interview. I'm Chris Whited and my guest today is Chris Hill, Chief Executive of Element Society. You can find Chris on Twitter at It's Chris Hill, that is I-T-S, Chris Hill. Chris, welcome. Thanks for having me, Chris. Tell me about Element Society and what it does. So Element Society is a youth-led charity that empowers young people to make a positive change in their lives or their communities We've grown from working with 12 young people in our first programme six years ago to now we have over 2,700 participants with us over that period. But like most youth charities, we talk about building skills and confidence and all that sort of stuff, but we kind of see that as the bread and butter beneath the surface that actually it's not what we talk about. What we do is we're facilitating young people uh, to tackle issues, social issues, city issues that they think are important. So we're facilitators. The the what we do, the programs and stuff that's really just building a baseline for the young people to get out there and tackle things that they think are important and at the moment that's mental health knife crime community cohesion um, and it's all been youth-led so social actions they're kind of volunteer projects ran by young people with a real cause behind them uh, passion projects if you will could you give me an example of uh, one of those projects then i tell you tell you what yeah i'll, I'll pick the mental health one because i think it's a, a really uh it's a really powerful project. So a group of young people a few years ago with us realised that that mental health was a, a growing issue amongst 14 to 17-year-olds. So they wanted to try and d d run a project to, to tackle that, but realised after getting some professional advice <laughs> that they weren't medical professionals. They couldn't give out advice about how to deal with depression or something like that. So they realised, well, if, if one out of three people in their lifetime will suffer from mental health problems... That means that th there's a huge amount of um, other people who can provide support for that. So they designed a project which was how to be a good friend to someone with mental health problems. So a peer-to-peer -peer support project. And it started out really small, piloted it with about 30 people. It ended up being delivered to about to about 2,000 other young people across the city. And that's young people oh. teaching young people how to be supportive. Um, and they used... Uh, a variant of head, shoulders, knees and toes uh, to, to really get across in a really quick manner how people like, lose mental health, buckle, build back up, buckle again. Uh, I mean, I, I can't remember exactly the head, shoulders, knees and toes uh, rhyme that they did, but that's so innovative compared to what an adult would have done in yes. the same situation. We would have put a PowerPoint up and done the chalk and talk approach, but actually they got people up off the seats and, and, and gave them a, it was a bit silly, but a rhyme that allowed them to remember something so powerful. And I thought it was really impressive. Okay, you've whetted me appetite now. I'm going to ask you for <laughs> another example. Oh dear. <laughs> um, uh, well, another one is 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 is, is a is a, a more difficult topic: child sexual exploitation. Um, a group of our young people were reading all the papers and seeing that it was often talked about in terms of uh, you know, taxis and all this sort of stuff. But when they did the research, they found out that the majority of it wasn't conducted in that in such a manner. So they, it was actually conducted by people not much older than the young people themselves. So they created a really hard-hitting video filmed on iPhones and uh, put together uh, with the support of one of our trustees who runs a film company. Uh, and it was kind of this gritty video that showed uh, how young people might be exploited in parties and situations like that. And it, it really related to other young people. That was picked up by the NSPCC, ran on a, a regional and a national level in the, on their campaigns. And actually, the young people who created that video spoke at the NSPC Red 
carpet event about what they did and how they'd come at an issue from a completely different angle to any professional had ever done before. So it was just... Yeah, the ideas, as I say, that's why we facilitate. I don't have to come up with ideas anymore. (laughs) They do it for me. Sounds like a plan. Uh, And how is Element Society funded? We're funded in a a variety of ways. Um, We... I come from a business background originally myself, so it's very business-minded. Uh, the majority of our income is actually from contract work, so work where we've, we've won a contract to deliver a project that, that meets the aims and objectives of the charity. Uh, so that's the NCS contract, National Citizen Service from the NCS Trust uh, and the English Football League. But we, we also deliver a variety of grants as well, so we're funded by the People's Postcode Lottery, uh, the National Lottery Fund, um, and we've had some very generous donations from such as Westfield Health and other organisations in the city to help us out. So... Uh, we're yeah, we're a very fortunate charity. What what is your role in the charity then, and how many people are in the team? So, I am the chief executive, uh, but in a charity such as ours, that does mean I do everything from strategy, governance, all the way to hoovering and mopping on a, a Friday when the kids have left the building a bit of a mess. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, it's it's a very wide role, shall we say? Uh, but in our core team, we have ten, although it's about to grow again. So. We're probably looking at between 10 and 20 over the next year we'll be having in our core team. We have about 40 to 50 in our delivery team, and they work for us on a sessional basis. Uh, we have about 400 to 500 new young people join us every year, so they often become our volunteers. Putting that into perspective in terms of what the young people do, uh, at the end of this summer, we'll have roughly delivered 150,000 hours of volunteering in Sheffield. Well, young people have done the volunteering. Uh, so that's... A huge impact, roughly valued about £1.1 million, apparently, I'm told by people who do better math than I do. Uh, and that's, they're a really diverse group of young people as well, actually. I think that's really worth pointing out. 65% of our young people are from non-white backgrounds across the city, so we're, we're, we're representing those areas that are possibly sometimes underrepresented. Um, 15% of young people have got special educational needs, uh, and we're really diverse from a kind of religious background as well quarter of uh, Christian, a third a Muslim, and the rest are either other religions or, or no religion at all, which I think is really representative in, in, in current day of young people of Sheffield. Yes, yeah, so pulling together the work of so many, like 400 volunteers, is an interesting challenge. How do you go about it? As I kind of alluded to before, facilitation uh, is, is, is a big part of my role. Um, facilitation with empathy, I guess. So the young people are closer to any of the issues and I ever will be. Uh, I learn every year that I'm getting older and older uh, and further and further away from what's happening to young people. And uh, some of the issues even feel so alien to me. Uh, I know what Snapchat is, but does it affect my life? Not at all. Uh, and, and neither does Instagram. I don't get many likes and I don't really mind. <laughs> but I can see how the pressure on young people for, for that social validation is, is greater than ever. So they bring the topics to me. They, so in terms of how I manage that, uh, our strategy is essentially shared with the young people. They know what we want to do. Uh, so I might be observing a dragon's den and seeing what young people are pitching to us because they'll pitch their ideas for a social projects. So I might sit in and and, and kind of uh, eavesdrop on what's happening. I think that'll help infor- inform some of our future strategy. But I also have a, a youth board. So we have a board of trustees. We have a board of young people who help shape the strategy so they kind of sit in parallel. So I will ask them what are the current issues or the hot topics but I might take an idea to them as well I might say I've been listening to uh, the Dragon's Dens for the last three weeks and actually I I think that this is an issue that we'd like to tackle in the future Mm -hmm. and without their blessing we're not going to go ahead with it so 
I guess it's that facilitation and, and using the assets that young people are to help further the strategy of the charity. Now, you graduated from the University of Sheffield with an MA in Politics and International Relations. Yes. Ten years later, <laughs> you're leading a charity for young people. How did that happen? Yes. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I've been involved in volunteering of the voluntary sector on and off seemingly forever. Back on my undergraduates, uh, I was volunteering at um, Newcastle University Football Club with a project providing digital skills to people from more disadvantaged schools. Uh, and that started, if I look back, you know, igniting a bit of interest in, in that. Um, I remember being at school myself, and my, my dad well, he was on a kind of minimum wage job, and then he decided to go to university really, really late. So uh, having that thing of not maybe having quite as many opportunities as some others, uh, uh, I was out in the countryside, there's obviously people with lots of opportunities out there, uh, and thinking, well, as I got older, how could I help as many people have opportunities as possible? So even my master's, I suppose, I was actually studying um, for my research project how we measure poverty in the UK. And I guess that's more relevant than ever now mm. as, as poverty rates are, are, are apparently rising. Yeah. <laughs> it's a hot topic, isn't it? It is, um, indeed. And so, 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 so the research, yeah, was, was about how we measure that. And I think that question's coming back up again is is, is we probably need new measures of, of poverty again, once again, as, t- as times change. So, uh, yeah, I, l- I left university and actually became a, a consultant in the health and youth sector, as it happens. Um, left there uh, after a little while and started doing some work around developing social enterprises, so kind of a consultant, um, developing commercial thinking or sustainability for, for social enterprises. Uh, ended up doing a little bit of more youth work, uh, supporting youth work. And Element really came out of a desire to start filling those gaps that, that, that currently, unfortunately, that the local council's really underfunded and, and they're having to do a lot with very little. Uh, and I, I thought there was an opportunity there for, for youth charities with, with kind of this youth-led charities anyway, with mm. innovative ideas coming from young people to tackle tackle issues. Uh, so the chief exec role really brings together all those... Tra- you know, everyone talks about transferable skills when you're younger and you think, what does that even mean? Now I actually understand that I do use pockets of, uh, of my skills from working in health or youth or community sectors previously and it put them together and it gives me a better rounded response, I, I hope anyway. Was there a particular person, persons or experience that inspired you along that way? Uh, do you know what's actually thinking about this is a couple of local people, uh, really, um, that I thought were probably the most appropriate people here, actually. So there's um, a, a business coach in Sheffield called Jill White, and she helped me right back at the start of my journey as a, as a business mentor, um, who I still occasionally pop in to see, and... She really helped me think about strategy and business and, and, and putting all of that sort of stuff together. And then uh, in the last couple of years, also Faye Smith has been kind of invaluable in terms of advice personally and professionally. And um, I think that maybe that's a, you know, a bit of advice for any future people in these sort of roles is, yes, you can have, I would say, idols or, or who who are, you know, the Dalai Lama or someone who Distant. you can take some advice from, but, yeah. but, but, but actually look locally and find out who's around and who's done it and who can who can yeah, share their experiences with you. I think that's invaluable. I think that's great advice. What do you consider your greatest work-related achievement to date, Chris? <laughs> do you know what? <laughs> I interview people all the time. <laughs> I always do this, and now I'm on the other side of the table. Uh, so 
I guess it should be a young person related, shouldn't it, given what I do. So there's, there's a guy we work with, um, not so much anymore, but he's a guy called Jack Marshall. And he uh, was born with something called Mobius syndrome, one in a million. Uh, it means it's very difficult for him to, to walk. Um, and it's very visible uh, disability, uh, but he's not a very disabled guy. He is, un- I just once described him as unstoppable uh, for a feature that we did for, for all four back in the day. And, and he was attempting to go on at one of the programs that we run with another charity. And, and they said they weren't equipped to, to, to deal with disability. So we care plan in place and got him on the program and he absolutely excelled and we went on to present conference a conference together and I've just found out yesterday that he has now uh, gone to a law degree course so uh, kind of sitting back and thinking wow and he, he won uh, Radio One Teen of the Year or something as well and you think so because he, he, he struggles with his I'm sure he won't mind me saying because actually yeah, he, he struggled to learn to walk as quick as other people but he realized that other people couldn't walk at all so he started doing fundraisers for by doing, I think he did like the junior Great North Run or something, even though uh, at times he uses a wheelchair and you think, what an incredible guy. Uh, and I think, yeah, the greatest achievement was, was making sure we got him on program and helping unlock some extra doors for him, uh, to be honest. Yeah, really, really. And just to find out yesterday that he's, he's, he's on to his law degree. Yeah, absolutely thrilled. Brilliant. And uh, and have there been any challenges along the way? Uh Yes, and that's always the question I ask straight afterwards. Uh, I did actually think back for this because I, I thought this might happen. Um, Sorry for being so <laughs> predictable. It's, uh, I do the same mean thing to other people. <laughs> so, I did, uh, so it's less so much when I was in a leadership role, but it just it, it was a, le- a lesson that stuck with me for so long. One of my first jobs, I didn't set some equipment up properly at, a, at, a, at a, an event with some some GPs uh, who. Are, Obviously, aren't the most forgiving of, of people anyway, uh, and Ooh, harsh. <laughs> well, they weren't. They weren't, and I felt very small at the time. And I, re- I, 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 hands up, I completely messed up. But what I, what I did is I didn't dare tell my boss. Um, so he found out through the grapevine that I'd messed this huge event up, and it, yeah. He, anyway, he was more upset that I didn't hadn't dared yeah. tell him to be honest, yeah. and. That stuck with me. That actually, if you need to make a mistake, you need to own up and, and say. But also, they can help you with dealing with whatever that problem is. So, just I think that was a, a big lesson for me was ask for help. And now I ask for help all the time, <laughs> every day. It's a good plan. It's always served me well. Now, working with young people is not a walk in the park. I know that because my eldest daughter was a youth worker for uh, eight years. What does your self-care regime look like? So, self-care. You've got to make time for the things that you love. Uh, and what really hit this home for, home for me in the last few years is, unfortunately, one of my best friends passed away from motor neuron disease. You know, obviously, that comes on unexpectedly, particularly. We are quite young, mm-hmm. well, relatively young, in our 30s. And that experience really hit home the value of, of time and spending it uh, in a way that helps you personally. Uh, so, yeah, it's great to sink loads of time into the charity and do great things, but you've got to look after yourself, as you, as you say, Chris. So I think, yeah, now yeah, I've got to make sure I've got that time for myself. Uh, and I was always kind of fiercely independent when I was younger. I love I love some personal time, so if I'm ever doing any chores or anything, I'll have an audio book on or making the most of the time. But I say the big thing for me is just making sure I spend time with friends and family. Just get making sure... Sh- that's It's so easy to, to let slide, but... It, yeah, just make sure I really have to make sure I put that time in the calendar. Really, 
Good advice, I think. So, uh, Chris, as you were saying, you're only uh, 34. What's what's next for you? Only 34. Yeah, I think. Well, you know, when I was, I remember, I remember being probably the age of the, of the young people we work with, 16, 17, and thinking, seeing my cousin's uh, newly married husband, and thinking, wow, 30s is so old. <laughs> <laughs> Wait till you're 60, mate. <laughs> yeah, so, so now I think 34 is so young. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so next, I think there's, t- there's two lines I'm really passionate about at the moment. There's the, everything the charity does, but there's two lines within the charity that I'm really passionate about. One is providing more services for young people, especially ed- educational needs or disabilities. I think that there's there's a huge opportunity for that for us to do more. So we do a project called Learning Through Nature. We take those young people out into learning settings where they can be more comfortable in the outdoors. Uh, but the big one for me at the moment is, is representative youth voice. Uh, and what I mean by that is I want to put together, or Element is going to be putting together a new youth voice entity. Uh, there's a platform that's super representative of young people who are citizens of Sheffield. So uh, I talked about how diverse the group of young people we work with that is. We want to put together a platform which allows those young people who maybe aren't normally heard to be heard and helps shape some local decisions. So that's 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 the big thing I'm kind of working on at the moment. And uh, if I get that done, I can retire at 35 happy. <laughs> <laughs> what advice would you pass on to up-and-coming third sector leaders? Okay, so everyone, I, I always think about, yeah, say yes or find out about opportunities. But the, the big lesson I actually learned was, was when to say no. Uh, and this goes back to my first job, actually, I, and I kind of really thought I deserved a promotion um and actually the the chairman said one of the things he said you don't say no you never say no you're always trying to please everyone so you're stretched and you're not quite delivering to the standard you should be on everything because because you don't say no so for for uh, a developing leader I'd say learn to say no learn to delegate so actually I can pass this on um but but ultimately focus on what's important Mm. find that passion and don't give up and yeah, yeah, set your sights on a goal. Have you got a particular example of Not when you said yes and <laughs> came to regret it that you can yeah. share with us? I can't think of a particular example. I think it's a, it's actually almost the small things, and you think, oh, oh yeah, I can do that. I can help you out with that. I can help you out with that. And actually, it adds up. You only have to say yes three or four times in a day, and you've you've lost half a day of your your, your work. And actually, as a as a leader, you should be focusing on the strategy, on the delivery. Uh, I mentioned at the start that I occasionally have to mop up and, and hoover up. It's nice to say yes, but sometimes you need to say, no, I need to uh, go and do the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Is there a book, uh, podcast or video that you'd recommend to aspiring leaders? I th- uh, yeah, I, th- I think I would say, actually, it's quite a popular one, but Simon Sinek's video, uh, te- a TED Talk about what, finding your why, mm. that's really an important one for me. Uh, element we've developed something called a theory of change which is uh the why we do what we do how we do it and what we're going to achieve with that and that's my roadmap as a chief exec of if there's a new project idea does it fit within that why how or yeah. what and it, and i think yeah any 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 aspiring leader if they watch that video will start the cogs will start going around and they think yeah what is my why why are we doing what we do and i think if any leader can find that why it makes that's the start of their roadmap, and it'll make their journey so their journey so much easier to have a clear idea of what they're trying to achieve um, and and how they're going to do it. Yeah. So that's Simon Sinek's The Power of Wine. I think he wrote a, a book. Yes, uh, that's the one. So you've piqued my interest now. So <laughs> do you want to tell me a bit more about um, the roadmap of Element Society, the 
the why of evidence society. Perhaps we should have started the show Starting with this. the why. Yeah. <laughs> so our whys are really looking at the, and they they do they will change over time. So it's it's looking at what are the current issues focus that young people are f- facing. Uh, so that's anything from uh, being underrepresented in in uh, social decisions, lacking the skills and confidence to enter the labour market. Um, th- there's a, a big one around mental health and well-being at the moment. So the, the, there's, there's six current constructs that, that build why we are doing what we do. And then we have two lines of activity. We have development and advocacy. They are kind of our two, so, two what we, uh, how we do it. So oh, the yep. hows, yeah, I'll get it in the right order. <laughs> yeah, so the hows. So, so uh, the development is, yeah, it's putting the skills in place, so putting the building blocks so, to, to solve those issues. And the advocacy is obviously giving the, giving the young people a voice. Then for us, the the actual what at the end uh, is actually we talk about the impact to society. So we break that into to two sections, the impact to the young person themselves and the impact to society. So the impact to the young person might be uh, that they are better connected with their community and feel like an active member. And they and then the benefit of the actual community itself is that it has active participation. Yeah, so it's a very big visual. It's a big visual document, really. So it's... It, is it's not doesn't translate too well to podcasts. Okay, but it sounds quite <laughs> well structured and thought through. Yeah, it's on. It's um, on version thirteen at the moment, so it does. It, it evolves. It evolves as as uh, we work more with young people. And how how did that document start its development? Were you inspired by a, a video like Simon Sinek's, or which, uh, it was was there a coach involved? Or yes, yeah, so there was a coach involved. Uh, so the Simon Sinek, we we, we had. Uh, this, the Simon Sinek version is probably a simplified version of, of uh, well, it's an easy way to, into the idea of why. Uh, ours is, is kind of a bit further down that journey. Uh, we worked with an organisation called Local Partnerships and uh, with a consultant called Julie McKeever, who has really helped improve a lot of our charity. But one particular area is is, is understanding what we do. Uh, I think that it's, it's very often for, uh, well, particularly us at the charity, to be focused on what we're doing, head down, yeah, delivering the work, working with the young people, and then not taking that step back and saying, "Well, what's the point in all of yeah. this?" Uh, so, w- yeah, Julie really helped us step back and and put down what we the why, what, and how uh, on a piece of paper that made sense. And then actually, it's really about being measurable as well. Like, can we measure that we've achieved the the, the items on that document? So, so uh, Chris, it's been inspiring to listen to you uh, speaking about Element Society today, uh, and it's been inspiring to meet you. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Compassionate Leadership interview. You can order Compassionate Leadership, the book, at www.compassionate-leadership.co.uk or on Amazon. This show was recorded at Rebel Base Media in Sheffield and the music was brought to you by 96 Back on CPU Records.